to the Weekly Spiral. You are tuned in to episode 36. My name is Cyrus. I have my buddies Casey Sully and Matthew Durgan here with me. We're going to talk draft today. We've got a lot to cover. We're going to talk about who we think had the best draft, who we think had the worst draft, some of the biggest head scratchers that uh, happened during the draft, and who we think might be the steal of the draft. Uh, but first and foremost, how are you fellas doing today? Doing fantastic. Uh, I'm feeling as good as Aaron Rodgers is right now. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay. So not great. No, not great. I'd imagine less less support than you'd like. Yeah, I just Oof. don't feel very loved and cared for by my second family and the uh, Green Bay Packers. So, ah. well, granted, Aaron, Aaron Rodgers does have a first family to begin with. So. Yeah, no, that's the that's the issue. I got nobody to <laughs> fall back on. You know, he has nothing. Well, maybe somebody will take your place soon. Maybe. At least I, I have Danica. You know, she'll keep me company. Yeah. Well, we'll get into the Packers and uh, your woes in a little bit here. Uh, let's talk about, on the other side of things, who we think might have had the best draft um, from our perspective. Durgan, you want to start us off? Yeah. Uh, the best team, in my opinion, or best team that had a good draft, was your favorite team, Dallas Cowboys. Oh, no. Uh, from the first round, I mean, getting C.D. Lamb at 17, that's a huge deal. Uh, he's arguably the best receiver in the draft. And now you throw out him, Cooper, and Gallup out there, and I can't think of a better threesome at receiver than those guys. Uh, there's no excuse now for Dak Prescott to not have a great year. Uh, at those three guys and Ezekiel Elliott, that's pretty damn good. Uh, but not just Lamb. you got Trayvon Diggs in the second round, who's probably going to be your starting corner. You have Neville Gallimore in the third round, who had a second round grade uh, by just about every team. He might not see the field right away, but he's going to be a great run-stuffing tackle for years to come. Then you add in Reggie Robinson in the fourth round, who's going to get a lot of playing time and might be their other starting corner. Those four guys alone right there. Add in Tyler Biotis, who was a center from Wisconsin, has some injury concern, but they have a huge hole in center right now with the retirement of Travis Fedrick. So I think eventually he's going to step in and be a starter. So your first five picks are going to be starters within the next two or three years. Yeah, the Cowboys, there's no denying it. And I hate it so much, but they <laughs> had a good draft. I mean, they filled needs. They uh, got, like you said, I mean, we'll touch on it later when, when we talk about steals. But CeeDee Lamb, man, at 17, like he, in my mind, is is wide receiver number one. Um, you know, Jerry Judy had some knee issues potentially and. um I think CeeDee Lamb is actually more dynamic. He's he's a little bit bigger. He might be faster. So, man, it, it's very unfortunate, and it's it's going to be kind of shitty watching that three-receiver set out there because I think CeeDee Lamb can play inside, and Amari Cooper can play inside and yep. outside. They both, Those guys are flexible. you got Michael Gallup on the outside. Um, they're going to do a lot of three-wide-receiver sets, and they're going to tear up a lot of teams. But the question is, can that defense hold up? I mean, they have Trayvon Diggs. Is that enough in the secondary um, and with their pass rush to keep teams on their toes? I mean, or is every every game going to just be a shootout? I don't, I'm not sure. But, um, yeah, they had a great draft. I mean, I'm man enough to admit it, as much as it pains me. <laughs> they had a they had a probably top five draft out of all the teams uh, this year. And it was shocking because Jerry Jones was the one calling the shots on his yacht. On his yacht, baby. So the fact that Jerry Jones had a good draft like him alone like calling the shots had a good draft blows my mind that big yacht energy <laughs> baller move uh i mean the, the cowboys are really kind of set up to exploit the the nfc east because 
none of the secondaries are very good. And now you, you roll out those three wide receiver sets like Cyrus was saying, and uh, can the other teams keep up? Like, do they have enough firepower to keep up with, with your guys? And when Mike McCarthy was at his best with Aaron Rodgers was when the Packers had Greg Jennings and James Jones and Jordy Nelson, and they were rolling those those three receiver sets out there and dicing people up. So if I'm Dak Prescott, I'm super pumped because if I don't get signed to a contract, those guys are going to make me look really good. If I'm Mike McCarthy, I'm excited because we should score some more points. Uh, and, and the Cowboys seem, we say this every year, but uh, they seem primed to, to take that division. Um, uh, competing with the Eagles and see, see how uh, they pan out. But uh, Yeah, and don't count out the Giants this year too. I mean, they had a solid draft as well. Mm-hmm. Um, if Danny Dimes progresses, that team, you know, they have some pieces. Um, you'd Saquon Barkley for sure, so... It's it's could be a three team race in in one of the worst divisions in the league, but it could be a three team race for that position. Probably not. Probably just the Cowboys and the, the Eagles, but I, the Cowboys definitely got a lot stronger. They did, and uh, as your rival got stronger, so too did the Packers' rival in the Vikings. And I think they're they're my winner for for the best draft. Uh, they had Justin Jefferson follow them at 22. I didn't think he would fall that far, and uh, they went and got him to sort of replace Stefan Diggs and pair him with Adam Thielen, and uh, went and got Jeff Gladney, the corner, at number 31, so they had two first-round draft picks. Uh, you can replace Xavier Rhodes now, who sort of fell off a cliff there last year. Uh, and they cut him. So now that you got a starting corner there, you got a starting slot receiver at number 22. Um, Thielen will probably move outside, I would, I would imagine, a little bit more. Um, uh, he's used to being in the slot, but uh, I think it adds some some versatility and maybe Jefferson can grow into a, an outside role. Um, but then you got go and get Ezra Cleveland, uh, a tackle out of Boise in the second round at pick number 58. And then uh, you get uh, Cameron Dantzler, uh cornerback out of Mississippi State, in the fourth round or in the third round. Uh, so that that sort of fits uh, Mike Zimmer's mold of being a DB coach and uh, solidifying that secondary and also giving you know Kirk Cousins another weapon to go uh, make him worth that, that big contract, that extension that he just signed. Yeah. Uh, I love the Jeff Gladney pick. I think he's an instant starter. I think he shuts down the receiver that the Packers did not draft uh, very well <laughs> in, the, in the in the coming years. And I, I think that's honestly the best pick of the draft. Really don't like the Justin Jefferson pick. I think he's massively overrated. I think his stats are incredibly inflated. He's a glorified slot receiver. Honestly reminds me of like a Jordan Matthews 2.0. I think he's the beneficiary of Joe Burrow, if anything. I was looking at some, some stats, and he had the most accurate quarterback play in the entirety of college football. Um and I, I don't see special. He doesn't pop off the page to me. So when he ran like a 4-4, it was shocking to me because like when I watch him play, every time he makes a play, to me, it's like, wow, look what Joe Burrow did. It's not like, look what look what Jeff, Justin Jefferson did. And yes, he had a lot of touchdowns. Yes, he had a lot of yards. But um, he's not, I mean, he's not Jamar Chase on the other side. He's not, he's not in my opinion, as dynamic as Jerry Judy uh, or um, C.D. Lamb, not even close. Um, I, I think it's a good fit. It for the Vikings because he's gonna he's gonna slot in no no pun intended right away in the slot um, because that's where he's played ninety percent of his snaps but I don't think he becomes more than a decent slot wide receiver in the league. 
I mean, you can't punish the guy for having good balls thrown to him. And I think Kirk Cousins is certainly capable of giving him the same kind of balls that Joe Burrow was. Um, I, don't, I don't know. I, I, I think he's made a lot of contested catches. He's shown good body control, uh, solid route technique. Obviously, he's not as polished as the other top three guys, and that's why he went four. But uh, I, I think he has all the tools to, to get stuff done in Minnesota. I mean, if he can be yeah, coached I'm, up, I'm then yeah. That. I think Jefferson's but... going to be... I think Jefferson's going to be a good receiver. I don't think he's necessarily going to be, you know, an all-pro. But you don't need to be an all-pro. He's going to be a guy getting between 700 and 1,000 yards every year. That's all number two, and that's all you can ask for. But one pick that you mentioned I like as well is Cameron Dantzler, who was getting late first round, early second round hype pre-combine. Had a pretty bad combine, ran a 4-6-40. Then tried mm. to do one of his own virtual ones and apparently ran a 4-3 except when you actually hand-timed it yourself, it came out to high 4-5. So <laughs> t- that was kind of a, a discrepancy there. But he's one of the guys who really uh, got hurt by not having a pro day. But he can play. I mean, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how fast you are. If you can play, you can play. And the Vikings, mm-hmm. Seattle Gladney, who's, you mentioned, a great player, uh, he's going to be a starter. I think Cameron DeAnser is going to be a starter by year two. So you have two corners you know, locked in, uh, for next season and for your future foundation move forward. Mm-hmm. And I just I want to plug real quick just because this Justin Jefferson pick is very relevant for me because the Eagles <laughs> could have picked Justin Jefferson or they could have taken Jalen Rager, who they actually did take. Um, the most accurate quarterback play is associated with Justin Jefferson, right, with Joe Burrow. The least accurate at 31% accuracy on passes is with Jalen Rager. So... I know you can't knock a guy for having accurate passes, but it makes a big difference. I mean, you can't look at just stats and completely analyze a player's ability um, when there's so many other factors and variables involved. So just saying that there's well, more sure. to it. But scouts aren't just looking at stats. They're watching every single rep and watching that player and seeing if they're getting open. You know, it's, it's sure. not whether yeah. you're getting the ball. Is, are you creating separation? Uh, are you showing good route technique understanding? Um, are you applying stuff that you should be learning in practice to the field? So. Yeah, no, I totally agree. But I'm, I'm also just saying I think there's something to be said about Justin Jefferson being the benefit beneficiary of having not only the best quarterback in college football history, but probably the best wide receiver in college football across from him in Jamar Chase, who's going to be a top five pick next year. So I, I think his I, th- I don't think he's a first round talent. That's all I'm saying. And I think his stats are stats show a first round talent but that doesn't allude to his ability in the nfl at the next level well for the packers sake i hope you are correct (laughs) all right nice love it uh all right let's move on to my winner my winner and who i think had a really good draft is the baltimore ravens 25 years later 202 draft picks later the ravens have taken the first ever player from lsu that they have ever drafted and it's patrick queen at number 28 in the first round linebacker. I think this is a huge steal. I love Patrick queen. I think he, I mean, out as far as pure linebacker go, it's either him or Kenneth Murray at linebacker one. Uh, in my opinion, I view, um, the, uh, Clemson linebacker, Durgan. I view Isaiah Simmons as almost whatever you want him to be. So I'm not necessarily categorizing him here, but Kenneth Murray and Patrick queen top linebackers i think i like patrick queen even maybe just a little bit more just because of his athleticism and it feels a huge need for the ravens um so i think this was huge draft for them i mean not only did they get 
uh, the linebacker that they desperately need. Lamar Jackson got more help in the form of second-round pick J.K. Dobbins, who ranks second in all-time rushing yards at Ohio State, which is a very well-known rushing program. So we, you got Lamar Jackson more help. Um, you short up that defense. I mean, we know this team is committed to the run game. Um, we know Dobbins will probably be an excellent tag team with Mark Ingram in that backfield. And they doubled down at receiver as well and drafted Devin Duvernay out of Texas, who I really like. I mean, 1,300 yards, 10 touchdowns last season. I think he flew a little bit on the radar because this is a deep, this was a deep uh, receiver class. So there's some people, I think, third, fourth round that would have been a lot higher um, in other drafts. But he's going to slot right in. I mean, he's an excellent possession receiver. They got uh, Justin Matabuike, defensive tackle out of Texas A&M in the third round. I love him too. Just across the board, like basically all of their picks, I'm a huge fan of. So there's no way that they're not a winner in my book. Great draft overall. Um, even their, even the sixth round, James Proch, wide receiver out SMU, massively underrated. I think he's going to be a, uh, I think he's going to be an impact player for them actually. So overall, Ravens got better on both sides of the ball. You got an MVP caliber quarterback. I, there's nothing more that they could have asked for from Eric DaCosta, the GM, GM of the year. The Ravens always draft well. I mean, they're uh, one of the best-ran organizations in sports. Uh, it seems every year they're contending in some capacity. And like you said, they have Lamar Jackson, who are love him or hate him. I tend to hate him. But, you know, <laughs> they, they have an identity now. They have, you know, they're going to run the ball, and they're going to play good defense. And J.K. Dobbins was the top running back, in my opinion, in this class. And he's going to probably not a split. I think Mark Ingram will still get the heavy workload. But for the four years after that, he's going to be the workhorse. He's going to be the guy. So that was a great pick by them. Patrick Queen, like you said, he's going to start right away. They got Malik Jefferson, another guy in the third round, who's going to start very soon, probably right away. And Justin Matabuikwe, yep. who's a great run stuffer. Not necessarily the pass rusher you want, but, you know, he's a big dude. He's 320-plus yep. pounds. Put him in the middle of that defensive line, and he's going to shut down uh, running against you. So... No, no surprise here. Ravens are just such a smart organization. And uh, you're right. They're a huge winner coming out of this draft. Huge winner. And Mark Ingram is 30, too. So, like you said, mm-hmm. yeah. J.K. Dobbins is running back of the future. And if Lamar is your guy, you need running backs. Yep. Yeah, for sure. And I, I think Mark Ingram being hurt in that playoff game, the calf injury at the end of the season, played an, uh, a, a part in that loss. Um, so, now if you can take some tread off of Mark Ingram with J.K. Dobbins, who I really like also – uh, it just keeps everyone health, healthy and fresh, uh, especially when you're running the ball as much as the Ravens are, uh, having those fresh backs with, with new legs to, to give people spells is super important. Um, so I, I think it was, a, it was a good pick, and I wish we had gotten Patrick Queen, the Packers, I was, <laughs> who I was hoping we would select when we moved up, but uh, it was not to be. No, you traded up instead. <clears throat> yeah, and... Uh, but not get a linebacker. Yeah. yeah. I think that ties into our uh, losers or worst draft. And uh, Casey, take it away. <laughs> uh, well, I really, the love pick doesn't bother me a whole lot. I can understand if that's your guy and you believe that's your guy, go and get him. Because ultimately, if he ends up being your dude, no one really cares how you got him. You know, I think the circumstances around getting Jordan Love is they're very different than it was for Aaron Rodgers, who was a projected possible number one overall pick that slid all the way to 24 and he fell on the Packers lap. Um, 
was a little bit different because the Packers traded up from 30 to 26. They paid a fourth rounder to go move up those uh, few spots uh, to go get him. Apparently because they were worried the Colts were also interested in, in trading up and grabbing him, um, which uh, apparently the Colts never made a call to, to do that. But uh, we wanted to be sure that we got him. And uh, I think it was a year too early for the Packers to draft a quarterback. Um, Aaron Rodgers is essentially locked in with the Packers until 2022. So he's got two more years for sure. Uh, if we cut him or trade him before then, we take a huge, huge cap hit. Um, so you're looking three years out potentially with Jordan Love potentially starting to get meaningful uh, starting reps there. Um, so it gives them some time to grow. That's fine. I would have liked a receiver instead. Um, I would have rather overdrafted and picked up T. Higgins or something like that at the end of the first rather than go quarterback because I think we have a, a, a window that is closing for the, for the Packers uh, and their Super Bowl um, desires. But after that, I think we sort of fell off the rails. So you go and pick A.J. Dillon, who I like a lot. I like the players they picked. Just the value was absolutely awful. <laughs> AJ Dillon's super bruising back. Has some explosiveness. Can uh, he's maybe not going to break off a sixty-yarder, but he can get chunks of twenty, thirty. Um, he'll he'll run people over. We had a lot of difficulty on third and short last year, so he helps with that. And then you get uh, Deguara, who's sort of like a H-back tight end, Kyle Juszczyk type dude, uh, which also cool, awesome tool, but. You don't need to get these guys in the second and the third round. Like, the value is just not there. And that's what I don't understand. If you want to take those guys, running backs are the most replaceable position in the NFL right now. You can get a guy almost as good as A.J. Dillon, you know, three or four rounds later in the sixth. I mean, Aaron Jones is a fifth-round pick. So, like, I, I, I don't understand what the logic is in getting these guys so early. Reach for a fucking receiver. Uh, go get a skill guy to help Aaron Rodgers because we didn't address that position at all. And I get it. The Niners beat the dog shit out of the Packers twice last year, and the, the Niners were more physical. They were, they were more physical across the board, and you can look at those games and say, okay, the Packers just got out physical everywhere. They can either revamp their defense, they can try to establish more of a run game, or Aaron Rodgers needs more weapons. And I guess what the Packers felt like were was like, we need to up our run game. Um, I think as a fan and watcher of the Packers, I'm like, we need a fucking linebacker. We need another defensive tackle because we're just getting, doesn't matter if we can run the ball a ton, we're getting gassed in the run game. Um, and we just didn't address that and we didn't get another weapon for, for Aaron Rodgers. So I don't really, I just don't get the value. Like you didn't address any needs and you reached for almost every position you took in the higher rounds. To me, it seems like Matt LaFleur is trying to tell Aaron Rodgers, hey, this is my team, not yours. Which, whatever, I get is fine. Trying to put your foot stamp on the, or footprint on this team. But like you said, it, it just doesn't, the value doesn't match. And their identity doesn't really match right now. I mean, right now they're Aaron Rodgers' offense. They kind of play mm. through him. So get some offensive line. Get some receivers. And if you still want to commit to the run, you have Aaron Jones, who's one of the best backs in the league, in my opinion. Or yep. get a running back in the fourth, fifth, sixth round, who can go out there and play as well. It's just, like you said, like, the value didn't match up, and it's the picks. Like, they're just trying to do, they're trying to change their identity 
during a time where they can win now and make a Super exactly. Bowl run. If you, if you want to do this type of stuff, maybe off of a 7-9, 6-10 year, not off of a year where you were one game away from the Super Bowl. Exactly, I and I think that's the big disparity. I feel like everyone else in the NFC got significantly better. The Niners got better. Yeah. Uh, the Cowboys got better. The Vikings got better. And we got back up. The Eagles got better. <laughs> the Eagles got better. The Eagles got faster. Somewhat. They got well, faster. The, the, the Packers didn't faster. get any better. The Packers didn't get any better. They didn't. And the, the, I mean, could they still win their division? Yes. But I don't see them winning a Super Bowl on, with this team. Yeah, I don't. I wouldn't even be surprised if we are fighting for a wild card at the end of the year. Yeah, yeah. I think the addition of uh, another playoff spot will help you in this upcoming I agree. season. I think um, it absolutely blows my mind that in probably the deepest wide receiver class in history, you didn't. The Packers didn't take a single receiver, not even like the yeah. sixth round or like late late on. You could still find somebody. And yeah. they didn't take a flyer on anybody at that position. I don't understand. It it's mind boggling. The tight end you got was like tight end eight on the on a lot of big boards. Um, I I guess he's going to be a fullback. I have no idea. It just it just nothing makes sense. And I'd love to hear Lafleur explain the picks and um, how he plans to use them. And maybe maybe they know something we don't. But it just blows my mind that you don't take advantage of the last. I mean, Aaron Rodgers wants to play in his in his forties. So, I mean, was he thirty eight right now? Thirty seven, uh, something like that. Six, yeah, thirty seven, thirty eight, thirty six. So, I think. I mean, get him some young receivers on a rookie contract, some fast guys to throw the ball to. I mean, he'll throw them open. He'll make plays. You just need to have the guys. And right now, I mean, it's Devonte. We saw it last year too. I mean, Devonte Adams. I'm drafting him in fantasy. He's going to be the only guy on the, him and Aaron Jones again this year. We'll probably have big ears yep. because you got to lean on him. Um, and Aaron Jones is phenomenal, and Devonte Adams is phenomenal. But help these guys out. Yeah. Help Aaron Rodgers I'm, out. Like, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, I, I like the sentiment from the beat writers is like, oh, the Packers want to move to a, a run-heavy attack, which is like fine. Okay, maybe you have you know less three receiver sets, more two receiver sets. And in that sense, you have Devonte Adams being one, and then is that second guy really all that much more important? So are you going to go take a guy in the fourth or fifth that you feel like is better than your already project guys that are on your roster? So are you going to take a guy that's going to compete with Equinemia St. Brown, who was on IR last year, or Marquez Val- Valdez-Scantling or Alan Lazard or these these fringe guys? Uh, yeah. So like, what is the cost-benefit analysis of, of spending a pick that's really just replacing roster churn at the bottom of your roster? Like, how does that really help you? That's that's the optimistic take that I've seen, but I, I still, I just don't love, don't like their draft. For sure. Quick point. And I mean, quick, go for it, go for it, go for it. I was just going to say, Devin Funches is, is on your team now too, and he can be solid, but yeah. it's still not enough, and it's not enough uh, dynamicism. Is that a word? I don't know. It's not enough. <laughs> you don't have enough dynamic playmakers in the wide receiver position. Like, Devin Funches is a, he's a decent possession receiver, but... Um, I don't get how you don't take a flyer on a wide receiver. It's the biggest yeah. mystery of the draft yeah. for me. Well, one quick point I want to make is that, you know, LaFleur is a disciple of Shanahan, and he dropped to A.J. Dillon to try to replicate you know, that power run the offense or zone or they run. Mm-hmm. But Shanahan has dropped one running back in his four years in San Francisco, and that guy never took a regular season snap. 
So yeah. the fact if you know if you're trying to run the ball, you don't need to get a guy in the second round. You can get a guy no. in the fifth or sixth round who will probably have equal value. Yep. <clears throat> Greater value. Yeah. Might not be yeah. as good, but yeah. like yeah. we'll be true. fine. Well, Very and true. Shanahan doesn't have Aaron Rodgers. I mean, true, you have yeah. one of the best quarterbacks in history. Why are you going to a run-heavy offense in the remaining years of his career? I don't get it. Give him yeah. the tools to do what he does best. Come on, guys. <laughs> I'm with you guys, but we can move on from the Packers now that we've uh, it's become a Packers. Yeah, let's <laughs> move on. Here. Let's move on like they're about to from Aaron Rodgers. Oof! Wow, that too was a little soon. too soon. That hurt my feelings. <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll give my loser really quick, and I'm not going to go into too far in depth in these guys, but it's the New England Patriots. Uh, Patriots had a kind of stereotypical Patriots draft like they had in the past. They didn't really, you know, be aggressive. They kind of moved down, trade, get lot picks, don't go for, you know, a stud, get a lot of good players. But they didn't address the quarterback position. And even if Jared Stidham is your guy, I thought for sure they would have gone quarterback in the first three rounds. And they also mm-hmm. didn't draft a receiver, which they don't really have any receivers. I mean, Edelman, he is what he is. He's, he's good, but... I don't think he's going to be as good without Brady. Mohamed Sanu looked terrible last year after he was traded and eventually yeah. got injured. You have Nikhil Harry, who has some upsides, a first-round pick. But besides that, there's no, there's no. you said dynamic playmakers for the Packers. There's no dynamic playmakers for the uh, Patriots. They got some tight ends who are good blockers and they probably want to run, run the ball a lot this year. But there's no home-run heavy hitters on that offense. Got some defenders that are versatile, which Belichick likes, but he better hope this defense is as good, if not better, than last year, or else they'll be in trouble. There's a that the conspiracy theory flying around that he's trying to tank to get Trevor Lawrence, which wouldn't surprise me, to be honest, and that would be so diabolical of Belichick and not even funny, <laughs> but wouldn't surprise me. Uh, but yeah, this their draft. It was just like there's no. If you're trying to turn a new page and enter a new era of Patriots football, you have to do something different. You can't just rely on yeah. the same players over and over again or the same style <clears throat> over and over again because it's not working. Yeah. Yeah. I like I like the Kyle Duggar pick though. He's, I mean, good player. They the good players. It's just they didn't get better this weekend in my opinion yeah, i mean i don't even know that they draft a good player they always draft like people that you just don't <laughs> expect them to but somehow they find contributors and it's just they always have an interesting draft every True. year year in year out so uh yeah i mean that offense was stagnant last year and you had tom brady arguably the best quarterback ever so i don't know what it's going to be like with stidham and you didn't really upgrade any offensive weapons it's going to be so bad it's going to be yeah. the, it could be it could legitimately be the worst offense in the league this year. And like, their, their division is now pretty solid. Solid. Like, yeah. yeah. So we'll we'll see. I don't. I mean, I never rule out the Patriots, one of the best franchises in the history of football. So you can't necessarily rule it out. But I I think that's a that's a good take, Durgan. I know that's doesn't. I don't say that often to you. <laughs> I think that's a good take. They're trying to get Trevor Lawrence or or tank for somebody next year. I mean, I, I think Belichick has way too much pride for that. I think they'll still be okay. Yeah. But if they went out and got a you know. Got Jerry Judy traded up or got a big time receiver. You're giving Stidham a chance, and if you're gonna roll out the same cast of characters as last year and he struggles, okay, yeah. well Tom Brady struggled his last year. You can't really yeah. judge him based on what he has around him when he has mediocre talent around him. It doesn't even need to be Jerry Judy. Just get yeah. a receiver. Like this draft, I swear you can find a starter in like the fourth and fifth round. Yeah, you could have or somebody to contribute at least a little bit. And yeah. 
It's it's similar to the Packers, like you said. How do you not take one? Even like the late round picks are crapshoots at that take point. Somebody. Anyways, just take somebody. Yeah. Just take somebody. Take a flyer. Take yeah, somebody yeah. with the physical tools that you think you can coach up and see what you got. But like, exactly. come on. Yeah. I mean, people are going to love the narrative of can Belichick win without Brady and can Brady win without Belichick? But really, I think in New England, the question is, is Josh McDaniels as good a coach as people think he is on offense? Because it's not Belichick yeah. coaching the offense, it's Josh McDaniels. And they 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 were stagnant last year, like Cyrus said. Uh, they may struggle again this year, and then you know those head coaching opportunities for Josh McDaniels are going to start drying up, unless he is the heir apparent in New England. I think he has to be if he came back. Yeah. I mean, turned down head coaching offers. He has, he, has, he has to have been promised something by Robert Kraft directly. Yeah. Well, he may not get it if their offense sucks for a few years in a row. It's true. And, uh, anyways. Uh, all right. Let's move on to my losers. Um, I got the Seahawks. I think they had a not a great draft. But I want to preface this and just kind of say something real quick. Draft grades mean nothing. None of this means anything. You cannot give a draft a grade immediately after people drafted. For some context as to why I'm saying this and why draft grades mean nothing, in 2012, the Seahawks drafted Bruce Irvin, Russell Wilson, Bobby Wagner, and they traded a fifth-round pick for Marshawn Lynch. That was a consensus D from a lot of draft analysts and reporters, that draft. And those are all contributing players that, except Marshawn Lynch, are still playing well. And you got your Super Bowl-winning MVP-caliber quarterback. So... You can't really give a draft a grade. Same year it happened. I just want to say that because we're we're calling all these drafts losers, but there's really, really no sure thing. I mean, I saw a stat that most of the pro bowlers and Hall of Famers are day three picks, right? I mean, there's more picks, sure, but nothing is a sure thing. So take it with a grain of salt. But that being said, the Seahawks took like the 150th player on my board in the first round, Jordan Brooks, <laughs> linebacker out of Texas Tech. What are you doing? Not only was this insanely bad value, you don't need a linebacker. You got Bruce Irvin, who I just referenced from the 2012 draft, and he's playing well. He's arguably one of the best at his position in the league. This was the weirdest pick in the first round, in my opinion. I don't understand what they're doing. You need help at wide receiver. You only took one in the sixth round, which you did at least take one. Got to give you credit, unlike the Patriots and the Packers. You took one. You took one offensive lineman. When are you going to give Russell Wilson what he deserves? I mean, come on, what are you doing, Seahawks? Um, they did nothing to bolster their secondary, and they used their 27th overall pick on a very head-scratching selection in Jordan Brooks. I don't understand it. I think he's a solid outside linebacker and could be a solid addition. Um, got some athletic tools, but it was a huge reach in my mind, and they likely could have traded down or even out of the first round altogether and still gotten their guy. There was other linebackers on the board that teams want. I, I don't understand why they took this player where they were. Um, they're in the toughest division, in my mind, in football, and they might be the worst team in that division come next year, barring the miraculous play of Russell Wilson. Outside of that, I don't know what they're doing. I think they probably lucked out last year with a DK Metcalf pick, but every year, year in, year out, you know, it seems like there's some head-scratching stuff that Seattle does in terms of draft picks, and this is one of them this year. The Seahawks are a sneakily really bad drafting team, actually. I mean, the past four or five years, yeah, you said DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, but none of those guys, I mean, Metcalf is too early, but they don't really draft any, like, stud players or superstar players. They have Russell Wilson, and he makes everybody around them better, which is 
my belief that why he's the most valuable player in the league. Because look at the talent around him. There's a lot of C plus, B minus, B players on that team who are starting. They seem to do better actually with undrafted free agents than anybody else, which is a testament to their skill. But yeah, like you're right, I, Jordan Brooks, you could have gotten the second or third round. And the Seahawks almost always trade out of the first round into the second round to get more picks, which is kind of makes them more ironic. But yeah, they have Bobby Wagner, uh, who is maybe the best linebacker in football up there for I sure. He, I think he is. I think he is uh, now that Luke Keekley retired. True, true. I mean, he, no matter what, he's up there. And you get a guy who also plays the same position as him when you don't have any pass rush right now. I mean, assuming you don't bring back Clowney. So it's, it's, it's head scratcher. They'll still be good next year because of Wilson. But if he were to ever get injured, this team would be terrible. Yeah, I think. I mean, I think they're looking towards replacing Bruce Irvin um, with this pick. I think that's more of where the Jordan Brooks fits. But I don't understand the need immediately. And I, you know, it, 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 in the first round, you got to get somebody who's going to play. Yeah, you have to get somebody who's going to play. And he's probably only going to play on special teams, unless barring any injury. So it's a it's a weird one. It's it's a weird one. And the rest of the draft, they just didn't address needs that I felt like were desperate needs for them, offensive line and secondary. So I'm, I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to say this is a fat L for Seattle. <laughs> <laughs> well, just as a note, I mean they have KJ Wright and they have Bobby Wagner, but Bruce Irvin uh, just got re-signed by Seattle, but he wasn't with them last year. Uh, he was with Oakland in 2016 and 17, and then he was with Atlanta and Oakland in 2018 and Carolina last year, and then they just re-signed Bruce Irvin. The Seattle Seahawks did so. Uh, they are searching for something because they clearly just re-signed him, and uh, now they're they're drafting, reaching for linebackers in the first round. But uh, maybe they're just trying to go back to that sort of legion of boom and get that defense rolling again because uh, whatever they don't they think Russell Wilson can save them on offense, which was sort of the path that the Patriots took with building that defense and letting Tom Brady make magic on offense. Um, I don't know if that's a good recipe for consistent success, but you know, I, I can sort of understand it, I guess. Listen, I got nothing against rebuilding the Legion of Boom, but Jordan Brooks is not part of the Legion of Boom. <laughs> that's not that's not it. So they should have taken Patrick Queen if they wanted the best linebacker on the board. Yeah, yeah. He was he was right there. They'd taken the yeah. pick after by the Ravens. So I, this was this I, man. I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't get it. I hate it. Does it make you scratch your head? I've, it's all I've been doing since we've been talking about this. My head, it hurts how much I've been, I got some, I, almost down to the skull bone. It's, it's mind blowing. It, is it uh, your biggest head scratcher though for our next segment? No, that's, that's going to be, well, it, you know what? Here's what I'll say. I think this is the biggest head scratcher in the first round for me. Um, sure. That, yeah, yeah. I can, I can, hear I, that. I'm not going to reiterate the same one. So I have another one that, that we can move on to the next segment and I'll give you my biggest head scratcher. That's, not Jordan Brooks, even though this is probably the biggest one. But let's move on to that segment. Let's start with Durgan. Um, what was the biggest head scratcher in the draft? The biggest surprise? What did what kind of shocked you as we were watching yeah. this on uh, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday? Of, uh, this the past biggest week? shock involved my San Francisco 49ers picking up Trent Williams for damn near nothing. Uh, they traded a fifth round pick this year and a third round pick next year for a left tackle who's arguably one of the best in the game. Granted, he didn't play last year. But the Redskins were, you know, come training camp last year saying, we want a first-rounder for him. And there was rumors that teams would trade a first-rounder. The Browns mentioned that past uh, team who would be interested in him and then didn't get traded, didn't play the season. Then there was rumors, okay, second-round pick. 
in this year's draft for Trent Williams, which would make sense, but still, that'd be a steal. Trent Williams is a great left tackle. And then Saturday morning, the Niners shock everybody by trading a fifth rounder and a third rounder for next year to pick up a great player. And the Redskins totally botched this trade, in my opinion. They could have gotten so much better value for him than what they did if they traded them earlier when he was clear. I'm not going to play for you guys. There's no way I'm ever going to play for you guys. Then why don't you trade him months ago for a second round pick at worst? Uh, but it helps out my Niners. And with the retirement of Joe Staley, who has been their cornerstone on the offensive line for the past 10, 15 years, we'll miss him a lot. But when you replace him, the guy of Trent Williams' ability – you gotta be pretty happy. Yeah, I mean, I think the big cost is that Williams wants a twenty million dollar a year contract, uh, sure. and the Redskins are coming from a position, like you said, they needed to trade him early if they wanted to to maximize their uh, what they got back. They needed to to get rid of him fast when he said, like, "Hey, I'm not gonna play for you." Because as soon as you say that to the public your value goes way down because you mm-hmm. have no leverage. Like teams yep. know, oh, I can lowball you and there's nothing you can do about it. So uh, it eventually led to this and then I think the Niners n- nailed it and uh, can dedicate some of that Joe Staley money to Trent Williams and immediately replace uh, a big loss that they would have had to address you know, in the draft at some point. Uh, now they don't even have to worry about it. It may, might, may even be an improvement because he's yes. a little younger and has a whole year off and he's fresh and didn't go to the Super Bowl and he's hungry. Even if he's not to the caliber he was beforehand, I can't see him being worse than a good left tackle. Mm-hmm. And Joe Staley's past year, he was 35 and had a few injuries, missed six games, seven games. So I don't think Trent Williams can do worse than that, Don Conwood. Yeah. Yeah, I honestly, I had a bunch of Niners fans texting me about this um, as it happened, and y'all are a bunch of whiny babies, man. <laughs> Sad about Joe Staley leaving, and oh, Joe Staley, like, okay, I get it. There's an emotional connection. You just got Trent Williams for nothing, a third yeah. round pick and a fifth round pick, and he is he could be the top one of the top three left tackles in the league right now. He's younger than Joe Staley. He's arguably better than Joe Staley. Um, yes. I, I don't, I don't, stop crying. This is an amazing pickup. <laughs> the Niners are huge winners in this. This is going to be phenomenal for your offense. Uh, I, I love it. I, I think it's a huge move. The Redskins are dumb as shit. Um, <laughs> I mean, I get you don't have any leverage and he's not going to play for you, but damn, like that, they just got their lunch money stolen. Like yeah. that was, that's, that's your best player on offense, I think. And he doesn't want to play for you. <laughs> so, uh, good luck, Ron Rivera. Hopefully, I mean, I Dwayne Haskins Rivera turns out to be good. Made the call because Daniel Snyder, yeah. the idiot owner, is just like trying to hold out for best value, and Ron Rivera is like, "Okay, no, I'm in charge now. We're going into training camp with no questions about this. We're going to trade him." And yeah. to the Niner, well, apparently, the trade on the table with the Vikings, and then Trent Williams is like, "No, I'm I'd rather retire than play for the Vikings." Which helped him out. Uh, not, Niners out, but still, you got no value for a guy who is, like we said, one of the best tackles in the league. But I'm happy, so who cares? Yeah, well, you, you got a third be. rounder and you offloaded a contract. Yeah, I mean that's that's yeah. something. Uh, it's not as much as it could be, but I don't it's think not we Hall should. of Fame left tackle collateral. It's Hall of Fame left tackle that refuses to play for you collateral. 
I mean, I don't know, man. It's not nothing. A third round is relatively valuable. I mean, that's it, in a third and a fifth. You can trade up into the upper part of the third round and and do something there. They need to p- fix a lot of holes. So, I, you know, I, I'm all for bashing the Redskins, but uh, I don't think it's as bad as people are making it out to be. No, and they probably have one of the best edge rushers in the league right off the bat with Chase Young too. More sacks yeah. past year than the LSU team as a whole. I think. Um, I think the Redskins are trending upwards. I'm not saying that. I just don't. I just don't. It just hurts me if I was them to yeah. be giving up Trent Williams yeah. for that. Like, if it was a second round pick, I feel like it's a fair compromise, right? Yeah. You get your Hall of Fame left tackle. He'll play for you probably for the next five years and at a decent level, um, probably really good level. Um, and we get a probably more guarantee of a starter, right, to come to our team in whatever position we want. Third round is, is, in my opinion, when you kind of get in that gray area where it's, you know, not a guarantee. So I, I don't love it for rounder. the Redskins. And a next year, third rounder, yeah. But you didn't have a third rounder this year, so yeah. you had to do what you had to do. Yeah, I mean, I, it, <clears throat> look, I, I, it's, a, it's a guy that wants to be paid the most money in the league at the tackle position. Or if you're a, a tackle needy team, you can get one of the four big dudes in this draft. So it's, it's not for, for nothing that contract is worth uh something um you got to be able to take on that contract and pay the guy otherwise he's just going to be unhappy again and refuse to play so hypothetically hypothetically the Niners can't re-sign him they'll get a third round comp pick in the following draft after that so really Mm -hmm. you're giving up Trent Williams for a fifth round pick yeah beautiful move by John Lynch beautiful move yeah there's no no loss yeah anyways I'll, I'll move on to my loser or my my head scratcher um, Cyrus Whoa. is bracing himself right now. <laughs> Jalen Hurts. I I don't hate. Let me preface. I don't hate the pick, but it was very very surprising. Because uh, I think you probably could have got him later, and I think we always talk. We've been talking about value. You can get another quarterback to spell Carson Wentz if you need him later on. You can get Jake Fromm or someone like uh, like that. Jacob Eason. Because. Uh, Wentz hasn't finished a, a full season in who knows how long. And I think if you had a little bit, not to hate on Josh McCown, I, I love his heart, but like if you had a little bit more quality at backup quarterback last year, I think you can beat the Seahawks. You were down knocking on the door in the red zone a number of times and came away with no points. And <clears throat> if you have a guy like Jalen Hurts that can punch it in one time, uh, that can be the difference in your season. And then you get Carson Wentz back for the divisional round and, and you're making some moves. Um, so I understand that pick, um, but the value isn't there for me. And it was super surprising that the Eagles did it for me that early in the second round. Durgan, I'll let you go so I can have the reins <laughs> and freedom. Uh, so go ahead. I'm a Jalen Hurts fan. Uh, I saw him. I mean, I think he's a product of the offensive system. Okay, hold on. At Oklahoma. I got to interrupt you. Why do you hate <laughs> quarterbacks that run the ball? No, 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 no. Not about that. Is that he would – Alabama – Showed no ability to throw the ball at all. Then it goes to Oklahoma, has a great year, but every quarterback Oklahoma under Lincoln Riley has great years. I don't think he's a bad player. I think he can run the ball, put him at running back, use him as your boy Taysom Hill at the Saints, mm-hmm. use him as a gadget player, but I don't think he's NFL starting quarterback quality. And also, second round value, if you want to take a flyer on him, sure, whatever, you want to take a risk. But when you're a team like the Eagles... With a franchise quarterback, makes no <clears> sense. <throat> if this is the Patriots who did this, 
I'd be okay. They're trying to do what no the Ravens did with Lamar. Makes sense. When you have a system in place and a quarterback in place, this makes no sense to me. Uh, and I just don't see him ever being the guy there. Fair enough. And he shouldn't be the guy. In best yeah. case scenario, he's not. Then why, Buckle your seatbelts, you guys. Him in a second round? Buckle your seatbelts. <laughs> Buckle your seatbelts. Get ready. We're about to go for a ride. First <laughs> off, I want to address Casey. Jacob Eason and Jake Fromm are not in the same league as Jalen Hurts, as far as I'm concerned. You could you that is not like even worth it in my opinion. Sure, you but you're, draft, in the draft you're drafting a, a backup quarterback. Yeah. Sure, yeah, but you're not just drafting a backup quarterback. There's salary cap implications. Backup quarterbacks in the league nowadays are making around ten million dollars per year. You're getting Jalen Hurts for six million dollars over the next four years with a fifth year or no no fifth year option, second round pick over the next four years. And he didn't just have a great year. This guy was the runner-up for the Heisman behind Joe Burrow, who had the best year of any college football player we've ever seen have ever. We all know that. In any normal year, Jalen Hurts is winning the Heisman, and he would probably go in the first round. So as far as value goes, I don't have a problem with the value. I think it's a good second-round pick. I just don't think it was a, an immediate need. That being said, Wentz has miss, missed eight starts in the last four seasons, like you said. So it never hurts to have depth at the most important position in football. And what this does, since quarterbacks get paid $10 million to back up your franchise quarterback, this opens up cap space for Howie Roseman, who's going to be strapped for cash next year. We talked about it. I think we're going to be $40 million over the cap. He's going to have to do some wiggling and some finagling to figure that out. Um, it allows him to not only do that, but go and upgrade other positions that we need to fill. And let me, let me give you a little bit of a hyperbole, a little bit of a, a comparison here as far as this pick and something else in, in the past that Durgan might remember or have heard stories about. In 1987, the 49ers traded a second-round pick and a fourth-round pick to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for none other than Steve Young, despite having two-time Super Bowl MVP Joe Montana at quarterback. Montana was 31. He was a little older than Carson Wentz, but still relatively young for a QB. Can we agree on that? I mean, 31 is not, you know, he's not retiring, right? He's not yeah, Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. yeah, fair enough. Even though Montana, shot. you know, okay, unnecessary <laughs> shot. Look, he was young. He'd go on to win two more Super Bowls. They still made this move. Having Young as a backup allowed the Niners to continue to roll on, win those Super Bowls, despite Montana never playing a full season after that, that specific trade. But he's not remembered for being injury-prone, right? He's remembered for being one of the best quarterbacks up there with Tom Brady in the history, and he partly owes that to Steve Young for getting there. So expect some creative plays. Expect probably to see him on the field in interesting ways that you've never seen. He ran the Philly special at Oklahoma. I mean, we're talking about a dude who outpaced Lamar Jackson in terms of college stats at Oklahoma. I know the Oklahoma quarterbacks always do well, but I mean, this guy, when you look at it, 3,800 passing yards, uh, 32 touchdowns, eight interceptions. He had, what did he have? 1,300 rushing yards, 21 rushing touchdowns. Like I feel better about this pick than I think you do about Jordan Love. And not another, not to be another personal attack on you, but I really like Jalen Hurts. I talked about it in, in the previous uh, draft analysis that we we've done in the past. Um, I don't think I don't think we're going to regret this. The only thing I'll say the co- is the context of why this pick is frustrating for me is because we could have packaged this and our first round pick to go up and get CD Lamb. Right, as an Eagles fan. You're either taking a backup quarterback and a wide receiver who could be a, a, a good weapon, or you're taking a number one for Carson Wentz, right, with C.D. Lamb. So weighing those two makes me a little bit kind of wish that that happened, but 
that's you know in a in a vacuum. If if C D Lamb wasn't there, I have no problem with this Jalen Hurts pick in hindsight. Was it surprising? Absolutely. Did it shock the hell out of me? Absolutely. Did my chin get a rug burn from my jaw dropping to the floor? A hundred percent. I was so surprised that when this happened, but I've since been able to rationalize, look into it and why we did it, and it makes a lot of sense, especially from a salary cap perspective. So I think uh, I think you'll be surprised next year. And people have said expect Taysom Hill package on steroids. I think Jalen Jalen Hurts is uh, much better of a quarterback than Taysom Hill, so it'll be interesting to see what they can do um, and how creative Doug Peterson and Pressway uh, Press uh, fucking what was his name? Forgot his name. <laughs> how creative they can get on offense, and um, I'm excited. I'm excited. You know, we got faster everywhere. Our draft class from skill positions basically all run like four or five or under. So I'm, I'm excited and this is part of it. And I think it's, it's a good pick. You're lucky that we're short on time because the fact that you compared Carson Wentz and Jalen Hurd, <laughs> Joe Montana and Steve Young is most blasphemous thing I've ever heard in my entire life, but we're short on time. So you're lucky. You're uh, reaching well, okay. just like the Eagles were. Listen, I'm so. not. I'm not necessarily. I'm not necessarily comparing them talent-wise. I'm just comparing the situation and the importance of a backup quarterback. Joe Montana was hurt a lot. People don't remember him for that. I mean, okay, I can make the same argument about the Packers. Aaron Rodgers missed almost two full seasons the last three years. He's broken his collarbone twice. Like he busted his knee in the first week a couple of years ago. So I mean, we got a backup quarterback too, who yeah. I think has more raw talent and ability than Jalen Hurts does. And we can go around in this carousel as, as much as you want. But uh, I wasn't taking shots at the Eagles. I was saying it was a head-scratcher, which it was. And you got uh, very de- <laughs> so defensive that you forgot your offensive coordinator's name. What a five all, I'm saying, all I'm saying, look, the Jordan Love pick is, looks a lot better from a Packers fan perspective if your coach and your GM go out and address the wide receiver position and other weapons for Aaron Rodgers right now, which is exactly how I felt with this Eagles pick, right? Day two was shitty. It was weird, man. We took a quarterback and a linebacker, but then we came back day three and we took three wide receivers and or two wide receivers and traded for Marquise Goodwin. So who sucks? Who sucks? But he's fast, and that was the one thing missing from this Eagles offense last year was speed, and it was obvious. Once Deshaun Jackson went out, everything was slow, everything was stagnant, couldn't get the ball down the field, um, couldn't spread the field, couldn't get things open. So I don't hate it. I think I think a lot of people will be surprised and. Pro Football Focus did an article about it, which was very interesting. I'll send it to you guys after, um, explaining why this was actually a really good pick. Okay, well, if Pro Football Focus says so, then it must be true. I feel like next week <laughs> we're going to talk spoken. about this, though. So. <laughs> next week we're going to talk about this article. That That's point number one. Okay. I'm ready for you it. You got it. Uh, give us your uh, second head scratcher so we can uh, move forwards. Oh, I forgot. That wasn't even mine. That was yours. <laughs> so long. I, I got excited. I'm sorry. Uh, my head scratcher is, you know, the Raiders are always good for one head scratcher per year. I actually like the Raiders draft overall, except for their second first round pick. They had two first round picks. Damon Arnett, cornerback out of Ohio State, was a huge reach in my mind. Uh, he was taken 19th overall. I thought there were a lot better corners on the board. Uh, Christian Fulton being my favorite. Trevon Diggs also being a really, really good option. Um, he was 99th on my board and they took him 19th and Gruden thinks that he's better than Jeff Okuda, which is insanity. Um, so I thought this was a huge reach. I didn't, I didn't expect it. I know they needed to address that position. I don't think this was the right way to do it. 
Yeah, Damon Arnett had one good season. Uh, a three-year starter in his first two seasons, he was terrible. But he had Jeff Akuda and Sean Wade, who will be a first-rounder next year at corner. And those three locked it down this year. But Arnett's a late second, third-round talent. Yeah, third round, I think, is accurate. Yep. But uh, the, the Raiders have been very – Mike Mayock has been a little hit or miss. I mean, he, he nailed a couple of them last year. Um, but Cleveland Farrell didn't play at all. Uh, Abrams was hurt. And now he has this Arnett pick. Um, we'll see when they're on the, all on the field. Maybe they'll all pan out, and then all of a sudden things will click for the Raiders and they'll start competing because they added a ton of speed. Uh, so did the Broncos. The, the AFC West might actually be a super interesting division next year. I think uh, it will be. Herbert, Herbert and down in San Diego. You got a ton of weapons in Denver and Drew Locke. You got the Kansas City Chiefs, and now you got the, the Raiders in Vegas with a couple offensive weapons and some uh, injured guys coming back. The Broncos you're, had you're a great not, draft, by the way. The Broncos, Broncos had a really, really good really draft. Good. Yeah, yeah, really good draft. But I also like a few picks on the Raiders, too. That's why they're not my loser of the draft. I mean, I like the Tanner Muse pick, the safety out of Clemson. I like John Simpson, the guard out of Clemson. I think Mike Mayock just has a boner for Clemson. But, um, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, any, Henry any Ruggs. program he likes. Yeah, it's totally true. Uh, Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, yeah. Yep. Henry Ruggs, I think, is slightly overrated, but you you got to pay that price for speed, and it's important. It's important to have speed. So pick 12, first wide receiver off the board, also a little head-scratcher for me, but I think he'll be a good player. Um, I think he'll be a good um, impact player immediately for the for the Raiders. For sure. Well, let's, uh, let's blaze through these steals. Um, Durgan, you want to start us off? Yeah, I'll knock Steal these out draft. quickly. Uh, I have two. I cheated, as always. Uh, Bryce Hall, my <laughs> first one. We were texting about him Saturday. We were hoping that the Niners equals Packers would pick him up. He's a great mm-hmm. talent. Uh, I got picked up in the, I believe it was early sixth round to the Jets, either fifth or sixth round. But he's going to be a starter by the end of the season. He's a really good player. And Antoine Winfield Jr. to the Bucks. He'll be their starting free safety this year. They got him in the second round. I had him the 16th overall player on my board. I love the guy, and I think he's going to be a really good player for that team. Yeah, yeah I, I'm sticking with a receiver. I got Denzel Mims to the Jets at 59, a few picks before the Packers. For me, he was sort of like the last of that upper-ish mm-hmm. tier of receivers, and after that it sort of drops off a cliff. Um, you know, I wish the Packers had traded up a few spots and wouldn't grab them, but they uh, replaced Mims with – or they replaced Robbie Anderson with Denzel Mims, gives some speed to Sam Darnold, and uh, hopefully open that offense up a little bit. Um, Another one I'll, I'll cheat to and add a second one since Durgan did. Donovan Peoples-Jones in the sixth round. Uh, a lot of raw athletic talent, and that quarterback situation at Michigan was not good last year. Um, had some drop issues, but uh, I think he's going to be a real still and can contribute meaningfully uh, for the Browns. Uh, I agree with both of those. And I'm going to go with some more obvious ones at my pick. I'll do two as well. I'll cheat, and it's a little bit easier for me here. C.D. Lamb at 17, absolute steal, should be top 10. I think he's the best receiver in this draft. Um, the circumstances in which it happened are very unfortunate and will scar me forever. <laughs> but uh, definitely a steal. And I think also the other top receiver, Jerry Judy, at 15 to the Broncos is a steal too. I, I like Throughout this process, I'm sure that uh, John Elway was sitting there thinking, considering trading up to get uh, to get his guy who was, who was Judy. And um, you know, Ruggs went off the board first, and he just didn't have to. So... Uh, I think that was a steal. Both of those receivers are going to be impact players immediately for their teams, and I think they both help their teams um, 
more so Judy on the on the Broncos in, in what will be a very stacked division. But yeah, I think those guys are both steals at the top wide receiver positions. With that, that's wrapping things up here on episode 36 of the Weekly Spiral. We, great you, we greatly appreciate you tuning in and sticking with us here for what has been almost an hour. And uh, please, if you can, check us out on our website, weeklyspiral.com. We have tons of content up there. We have our draft grades. Um, we have a way too early mock draft for next year that Durgan put together. If you want to check out some of the top prospects, check out if and when college football comes back. Uh, Casey, you got anything in the hopper that you want to you give a quick plug to? Uh, Devin Singletary coming out on Wednesday the 29th. Uh, film breakdown on him. Uh, got a couple tight end ones in the hopper. Dak Prescott one. Um, some interesting stuff. Working on some videos to, to bring you guys and uh, excited about all of it. Nice. Doug, anything you want to give a quick plug to? Or? This every week I'll be dropping some sort of draft recap video on a per team basis. Tomorrow will be the Niners. Uh, but one week, or every week there'll be a new team. Nice. That sounds awesome. Weeklyspiral.com. Check that out. You can find our social handles there as well as all previous podcast episodes. Um, We greatly appreciate you tuning in. This has been a Weekly Spiral production bringing you fresh football every week. And with that, we bid you adieu and we'll see you next week for episode 37.